Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. This is our new podcast, Black and Yellow. Woohoo! A black and Asian girl's perspective on life, love, and everything in between. Exactly. So, hi everybody. Welcome. A little bit about myself. I have kind of a crazy background, but I did mainly grow up in Arcadia, California, which is close to Pasadena, for those of you who don't know where that is. (laughs) And this is Alana. Yep. (laughs) Actress, host, and fashion writer. Also a native Angelino. I, however, grew up on the west side. I grew up in Venice, California in the 90s, where it was nice and uh, all mixed up. Uh, And somehow my life became not so mixed up. (laughs) That's that's also okay. (laughs) (laughs) And why are we doing this podcast? Well, I'm going to give you an interesting statistic to sort of answer that question. So according to the Public Religion Research Institute, three-fourths of white Americans who live in the United States do not have friends of color. Just let that sit Sink for in a second. For a moment. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, that's insane. And I had to take off my LA tinted glasses and go, how is this possible? And then once I realized that, you know, there's not a lot of diversity all over the US, I right. then realized, okay, we need a, a podcast that shows you a different perspective definitely and you know we want to be able to share our stories with you guys and and a lot of it is going to be universal about you know what it's like to grow up as a minority and a woman and in los angeles and the kinds of experiences we've experienced and hopefully you guys can relate to it and if not that's also okay um but yeah no this is a fascinating statistic about how most people in America, I mean, especially if you go to the Midwest, Mm -hmm. don't grow up with a lot of diversity and different cultures around them like we have in in growing up in California, right. Los Angeles. And I think the, uh, so the comedian Chris Rock, he did a stand-up show in 2009, and one of the punchlines for one of his jokes is, quote, all of my black friends have a bunch of white friends. All of my white friends have one black friend. Shock. So fascinating. Or to break it down more simply, if you took a white man or white woman, a white man or woman, and uh, if you took a hundred of their friends, I think that with the statistic, it would break down to something like 91 of those hundred friends are white. Yeah. And the other nine are other. Right. Which, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, depending on where you grow up, it's absolutely true. Right. And if you grow up more on the coasts, obviously not as true but Mm -hmm. still some i'm sure there is some truth to that i grew up in a predominantly asian community and even just through that it was very interesting to see you know looking back right now how i grew up and and even even surrounded by a lot of asians there are many times where i didn't feel very accepted and and obviously this is growing up and and kids being the way kids are in elementary school which they're not very kind no school is kids are jerks kids could be ruthless Um, assholes that is true but even just then and and now that we're experiencing such an interesting movement in our world and people accepting more and being more open more and the gay and lesbian community just you know being there as well i think it's a very very fascinating time yeah um, so our whole goal is perspective essentially we want to give perspective on how people of other races cultures and creeds live how we function through life but also to open up dialogues about 
about race that are very frank, very honest. Uh, just because you're talking about race doesn't make you racist. Just because you have questions about race or maybe you harbor some feelings that you think are not the most positive, positive. about people of other races. We're here to talk that through. We're here to, if you fall into this statistic, if you are one of those white people that has no friends of color, we are here for you. Absolutely. We will be your friends. We will offer our unique perspective on life. Yes. Become woke. With exactly. Us. <laughs> so we, this is our, our first episode, our pilot episode. So we're going to title this episode racially woke. Mm-hmm. And, and through our stories and what we've gone through, you know, I hope you guys just get the sense of how you guys can become woke in your everyday lives, you know, right. at the end of all this, just your day to day experiences, how you connect with other people, not necessarily has to do with race or gender or religion, but just how you can go about your day being more aware of mm-hmm. where the world is going towards and how things are different yeah. and how to be more accepting and open minded of everything because it's a crazy time that we live in and why not right yeah. <laughs> awareness is key and we're living in a really crazy time where uh races are coming under fire we're there where our government is putting these blanket statements on people of different colors mm-hmm. or who are from different places and uh we want to get to the bottom of these things and we yeah. want to if you are a person of color any color listening um, <laughs> any color any color and if you're listening to us uh hopefully you can relate to some of our experiences we would also love to hear from you Absolutely. Uh, any of your unique experiences but perspective is the goal yeah definitely so to start off we're just going to talk a little bit about our backgrounds mm-hmm. and how we became racially woke i'm going to hand this over to jackie because her story is full of ups and downs uh-huh. yes and it's very interesting it's quite colorful indeed no pun intended so yeah right um my mom is originally from taiwan and she immigrated to brazil which was quite a change for her her and her whole family when she was only 10 and then she lived in brazil for about 30 years i want to say where she met my dad who's also asian he's not brazilian but our culture is brazilian and our race is asian or chinese yeah so i always say they're all people are always like what are you like are you half brazilian like you know is your dad brazilian like well yeah i'm brazilian but i'm 100 percent chinese right it's it's interesting when i tell people that they look at me funny like there's oh, an assumption. Right. There's an assumption that my father is Brazilian, which he is, but he's Asian. So that's that's interesting. <laughs> and same with my mom. And so growing up in in a very already from the start, very mixed culture. I mean, you know, Brazilians are loud and funny and sultry and open and everyone, you know, when you greet them, you're already kissing. You know, you give three kisses on the cheek the first time you meet a stranger. Sounds I mean, great. in America, that's like harassment or whatever you know like how dare you kiss me um and then being asian it's very culture can be kind of cold very you know you you do your thing i do my thing we don't really talk about our problems and our issues and brazilians are like up in your face about everything so very interesting already and then my parents split when i was three and i came to arcadia california and kind of grew up there so we can get more into that later, but that's that's me. Okay, I'm just a I'm just a 100 percent Chinese Brazilian girl. <laughs> Sounds hot. Yes. Uh, for me, I grew up in Venice in the 90s. It was super diverse during that time. However, I went to predominantly white schools. Oh, fascinating. So I was one of a handful of African American kids. You couldn't necessarily count all the African American kids on one hand or two hands, but it was a very small number. I was embraced by the white chicks that I went to school with. 
But I was not so embraced by the African-American girls that Mm -hmm. I went to school with. This is more in high school as opposed to elementary school. The black girls were not very nice to me. And it was a really trying, troubling time because I'm already, you know, when you're a teenager, you just want to be accepted. You just want to be normal. Yeah. And um, you want to be proud of who you are and where you come from. And it was a very interesting message to send the message of, come here, little black girl, us white girls will embrace you. But the black girls are very cold and sort of would quantify my blackness. Sure. Um, I wear my hair straight and I'm pretty medium in complexion. Did you just get the sense that they were not accepting you because maybe you were more white than black? Yeah, there was a question of authenticity. How authentic are you as an African-American girl? Uh, surely African-American girls don't straighten their hair. That's what white girls do. Right. African-American girls are darker. So surely you can't be that black. Oh, man. Uh, you don't, you speak differently. You speak like a white chick. You don't use Ebonics. What's going on there? And so there was this feeling of never being black enough for the black chicks, but then also having to sort of scale back my blackness when I was around my white friends. Yeah. It was a very interesting line growing to have to up, walk. Right. Growing up that way at a time where you're very vulnerable to sort of just right. like a sponge or just, you know, receiving all this information. What do you do with it? Right. Right. Like- exactly. And then to layer on to that, I think with kids, kids obviously are very curious. And so there was always the there were always the multitude of questions being asked. How come you straighten your hair? What's with putting on lotion every day? What kind of food do you eat? Why is it so greasy? Why is it so sweet? That sort of a thing. Those sort of questions can be dehumanizing after a while. You can feel like you're some sort of alien creature. (laughs) Yeah, as opposed to just being like a normal teenager who's trying to figure everything out. And that's just talking about my blackness. Right. Not even talking about the fact that I'm a woman trying to... On top of that. Yeah, trying to get normal um, and trying to be as authentically me as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, I think everybody can relate to times and their schooling when, you know, elementary or even like all the way through high school, even college, where you don't feel normal and you don't feel okay in your own skin. Right. You know, depending on your color, your weight, your everything, your look. Um, and it can be kind of traumatizing and it can sure. really affect the way you think about yourselves and the decisions you make in college and in mm-hmm. your career and all of that. I mean, I, I'm an actor as well. And, you know, Asians are, what are they? They're lawyers, they're doctors, yeah. they're engineers, you know, there's that whole... There's a stereotype, definitely, that goes along with Asian. You know, and we're not Asian we're not artists. Group. If you're an artist, you're looked down upon because you know everything equates to how much money you're going to make. And of course, as an artist, you're not going to make a lot of money. So of let's let's just look down upon you're not enough. For me, that was a big one. Just my mom. My mom's a chef, and she's an amazing cook. And so I've sort of grown up very artistic and dance, gymnastics, ice skating. I got put through all of that when I was younger, and so. Just being an artist and being able to sort of already accept that, like very just being accepting of who I was Mm -hmm. and then growing up not feeling that. Right. It's a very like polar opposite feelings that you have to confront. And most people don't confront that. No. You know, that's what we're here. Till this day. Right. Right. 
Um, and I think that the moment for me, the moment that I became racially woke was in college. And I had, I think it was my junior year. I lived with a couple of African-American girls. Shout out to Tatiana and Ariana Ooh. and Nicole uh, living and Angelique Powell as well, um, though she was my freshman year roommate and living with those girls and having a really positive time time with them and being sure. included as opposed to excluded sure. and not having my blackness quantified yeah. was so freeing and yeah. so beautiful for me sure. it's like almost healing right yeah. yeah and i think that that was where the like the wake up happened for me right. that was when i started to get woke and go you know what i being a black woman does not mean hating on your own it does yes. not mean and we can get into that later about, sure. you know, racism within your own race. Right. Just, Intrapersonal racism, right. Um, which definitely still exists. But yeah. Having that moment of, wow, like the African-American community is beautiful and I am accepted. Mm -hmm. And flash forward, I am now out of college, uh, still have those great friendships and am super proud to be black. I'm in a moment of pro-blackness and I'm very happy <laughs> about it. I'm reading lots of Ooh. bell hooks. I'm wearing... Lots of African uh, kente cloth or daishikis, things of that nature. I'm super, super proud to That's be black. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like full circle, right? Yeah. When did the moment happen for you? Well, mine was sort of, I want to say, more gradual or more subtle over time. I mean, there were certain moments in my life definitely growing up where I was very aware that I was Asian and, and didn't feel okay. Mm -hmm. You know, just, and I mean, everyone else can relate to it, especially just Asians in general, just, you know, being made fun of your food and your dumplings and things being too stinky and all of that. And, and up to this day, I still get it. So it's, it's, I'm just used to it by now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Unfortunately, we, we become immune to these we things do. after a while. I almost now, like, sometimes I'll like, I'll do it on purpose to make people uncomfortable. Ooh. Like, I'll go up to somebody like, you know what I had last night? Oh my God, I had some really good pig's feet stew. And like, people <laughs> will look at me, <laughs> they'll look at me like, are you crazy? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I love it. You should try. like, I'll just do it now to be like, you know, like, I don't yeah. care. Like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be who I am. Mm -hmm. So just going back into like how I kind of now I'm like confident, you know, in that in that pig feet stew. It's so good um, <laughs> for me. I think so. My mom split from my father if we go back a little bit. And then um, my brother and me and my mom, my mom raised us single handedly, an amazing single mom, just so, so strong and brave. Um, and but then she did get remarried when I was 12. And that time my stepdad lived in Orange County. Ah. And that was definitely culture shock, complete like thrust into this whole new environment. We're talking like Laguna Beach, Lauren Conrad, the Hills yeah. type of world. Mm -hmm. And growing up in Arcadia, it was so humble, you know. You could wear sweatpants and and sneakers and backpacks to school and and like you like you should yeah. And in Orange County, you know, girls at twelve and thirteen, they had fake nails on, they had makeup on, they were dyeing their hair. It was it was such a different world for me. And I just when I got there, I didn't know how to fit in. I just knew that I wanted to fit in, right? Right, and that I clearly didn't, right? Based on the way people looked at me, based on the way people treated me, mm -hmm. um. You know, people would always ask me if like, oh, what'd you bring to lunch today? Oh, did you just bring like rice to school? Like just, you know, left and right, like jabs of me not knowing what to come up with because I was really hurt. I'd get really hurt. And I wasn't like a, I didn't like, I wasn't 
like have a smart mouth like i didn't know what to say right, right way back you know and where it's a big bird many races eat rice right <laughs> like let's just get that straight and out not there. just asians not just asians um I know people telling me, you know, oh, can you like help me with my homework because you're smart because you're Asian and and just, you know, and enough of where to the point where I really started to to just not feel good going to school. Like right. I wouldn't look forward to it. And then and then obviously needing to survive and looking at things these girls were wearing and buying mm-hmm. and putting on makeup and realizing that that really wasn't me, but I, that I was doing it. Right. You know, it's um, so funny how school sort of is the breeding ground for how to feel normal right you know but then what is normal at that age right yeah who, who sets that standard i mean obviously the kids were do, were setting right. it and i think the answer to your question of what is normal at that age it's it's whatever you see around you that yeah. is what's normal exactly i went to school there for about three years and i think it really shaped and molded me to really understand myself and that over time you know I'm gonna do a little bit here and there to kind of maybe fit in and and feel like I'm part of this school community yeah that I know deep down inside I I would never be one of those girls yeah you know I just wouldn't Mm -hmm. and I mean it was clear to me and then my mom split again her she got divorced again and we moved back to Arcadia okay and then when I came back, it was a whole nother like falling back into what that's like being living in a predominantly white neighborhood, coming back into that. And then I think that was kind of through high school, right? Sort of just fell in love with theater. And, yeah. you know, I sort of got my, you know, closest girlfriends mm-hmm. to become part of my life. And then just I think through that slowly was was sort of I think when I left there, I was able to look back and see oh okay it's not so bad (laughs) and i think there's this assumption out there that if you are a person of any color that um you're just automatically comfortable and okay with it and that's not true right uh growing up and and having to field the endless questions from white people that were just not familiar that had really never grown up in really diverse areas Mm -hmm. it's it gets annoying after a while you know what i mean i mean i like to take a little step back and think like how many people go about their days not really comfortable already in their own skin, mm-hmm. regardless if you're, you know, extremely fit or if you're white or if you're Asian or if you're black, rich, rich, you know, all kinds of insecurities that we're all pretty dealing much dealing with. with as fundamentally as humans. But then you add that on, you yeah. know, and it's just another another layer of like, man, when is this going to end? And mm-hmm. at some point it, it kind of does. And I think we have to decide that for ourselves. Right. Yeah. Throughout our day-to-day lives, but whether or not it obviously hasn't ended because there's still a lot of racism in this world. And But you can make the you know. choice in your own personal life to say Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm done. I'm yeah. a black woman. I'm an Asian woman. Right. I'm a Latino woman. And I'm going to be proud of that right. because I am one of X amount, but the majority race, there's a ton of y'all and mm-hmm. not a lot of me. Right. So I don't know about you, but I found incredible freedom and happiness in that in that point yeah like living in your uniqueness for sure making that something that's not going to something that's going to inspire and motivate you versus set you apart right yeah from from anything else right well there is a silver lining to all of this and that silver lining is that we we as the collective united states uh we are getting more and more diverse 
that's true. The LA Times ran an article and it said, according to the U.S. Census, by 2044, whites will no longer comprise a racial majority in the U.S. By then, the nation, very similar to the city that we're recording in, very similar to Los Angeles, will be a kaleidoscope of racial groups, including Latinos, Blacks, Asians, Native Americans, and multicultural Americans. That's fascinating. That's to hear. so exciting. It's like really exciting. I have chills. I know. You and, know what I and mean? And I think this, I mean, just you take Los Angeles, just one city, especially mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And that that is, I can see that happening, you know, yeah. for sure. Because if you go just around the city and you walk around and you meet people, I mean, it's such a melting pot. Yeah. Of so many different races and cultures. If you just take the food industry in itself, you know, <laughs> yep. how many different restaurants are popping up here and there and they're introducing with food comes culture. It's true. You know, and with culture comes, comes race. Perspective. perspective. Yeah. And, and, and people trying new foods is, I think, a great way to be like, wow, like, this pozole is amazing yeah, you know exactly. like yeah, yeah. i've never had it before but it's I want awesome. more. exactly mm-hmm. you know and 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 i think that over time we'll just have to become woke and accept that that's that that should be the norm i guess if you want to go back to just what's the norm it should be yeah. you know mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this sort of separated you're you're that and i'm this because right. How else are we going to get things done? <laughs> you know? Agreed. And it makes me wonder, like, as the world becomes more racially mixed, will teens feel the same racial discomfort that we felt growing up? Yeah. You know that, what I mean? That's a very interesting point. And um, I, in a perfect world, I would like to think that everyone's going to listen to this podcast and everyone's just going to get woke <laughs> and have all hey, these hey, wonderful hey. perspectives. <laughs> I would like to say the answer in an ideal world would be no but i think that the answer will be yes i think that there will definitely still be feelings of racial discomfort but again as we get more mixed and more perspectives are out there i think that that level of discomfort uh will gradually lessen over time i agree i I, I agree i agree that it'll still be there regardless of how the world is shifting towards i think society will still you know Uh, society and social media and all that stuff would still paint that picture sometimes you know and so with that being said as long as there is a sense of this is what you're gonna go through you know if I was a parent one day you know I would let my kids know like you're gonna experience this but it's only gonna make you stronger Mm -hmm. you know and and it and as long as you can look inward and find that truth for yourself then then I think that's that's what it's there for. Right. Right. And if you can't wait till 2044, because I mean, right. we will be <laughs> we will be old AF by that time. Um, if you can wait just 16 years, there will be minority just white 16. population. Just 16. <laughs> that's all we're asking for you folks. Shy of two decades. Uh, there will be minority white populations in 12 states, including California, Texas, Florida, New York, Georgia and New Jersey. Wow. That was a, a fact taken from the exact same la times article that's uh, so crazy regarding the u.s census and um, can you imagine i mean i, I can imagine it i'm excited for those teens i'm excited yeah. for those for for those states to have yeah. a wonderful melting pot yeah. of i think about diversity. all the art that's capable right you know yeah. how much art can be created through mm-hmm. all of this and music and i mean i, I think it's i think it's really exciting i think of how our medical industry will change 
for sure. Definitely. Um, I read somewhere that when two people of different races get together, they form a very strong, healthy human versus just a, a single race individual. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're going to have more diversity and stronger people who live yeah. longer. No, it's very exciting. I think, you know, the, the sense of that we are really just one. Yeah. And that we're all the same people. And so having that being more evened out, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. And it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'd love to get a guest on here or someone who has. We're going to look for this person. Yeah. We're look for you this know, person. We will bring you guests. Who has a different opinion on this or if they're against it or if they're afraid of it. And I don't know, I might interview some of my white friends and mm-hmm. see what they think. See what they have to say. <laughs> so to round all this out, how do we stay woke? How do we stay racially woke? I think this is a word that's being thrown around a lot. It's a slang. If you don't know what woke means, it means to be awake. It means to be aware. So essentially the question I'm asking is how do we, a collective we, how do we stay racially aware of what's going on and how do we uh, change some of these, these difficulties for minorities today? Wow. It's a big question. I want to like soak all of that in. I know, right? (laughs) I think the first answer though is to really think and speak consciously. Yes. I think that uh, for people who aren't so comfortable talking about race, it's very easy to say, to use blanket statements like, I don't see race. I live in a colorless world. Right. And that in and of itself is a really diminishing statement. I only eat air yeah. and, and, uh, and I live in a tree. Right. I think that um, this is particular for white people. I think that that is a statement that white people tend to use as a way of... Um, like getting out of situations? Yeah. Well, as a way of, of not appearing racist, obviously, oh, but also as a way of not really having uncomfortable conversations about race sort of avoiding but saying enough to where they'll like accept the answer exactly and i think the problem with blanket statements like i don't see race i don't see color is uh, as i said earlier it's diminishing because to see someone and to see what color they are it is to see the life acknowledging that yeah so to say i don't see that is essentially you're saying well i don't see the life that you've led jackie i don't see I don't see your Asianness. Yeah. I just see a person. I also think that's, that's kind of. I mean, that kind of be bullshit because it's. Yeah. What I mean, you look at someone that's like the that's 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 embedded in your. That's the way your your brain works. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see someone's look. Right. Like that's just, and you can't avoid it. Yeah. You know. I mean, you don't have to necessarily speak about it, no. but that's definitely not something you should be saying you just don't because obviously you do you do you don't have (laughs) eyeballs for sure (laughs) for sure but i think also speaking of race very frankly yeah is also a way to to help get past some of these uncomfortable feelings definitely just talking about it i think is important and not having this like oh you said this or oh you said that or or like am i walking on eggshells because i'm standing next to a black person Mm -hmm. or a white person whatever that is Mm -hmm. i think just being okay with with knowing it's like almost acknowledging that this is what you're going through like let's say you meet someone who's who's i don't know muslim and you're acknowledging like like wow this is like that they're going through a lot right now right right? and so i think if you can come from a place of responsibility and if you come from a place of of genuine authentic uh phrases and thoughts and emotions unless you are just like a fucking racist then then you're just racist there's no hope for you right but if you're gonna be if we're gonna talk about being woke Mm -hmm. you know you that's i think that's a good place to start is like being conscious and thinking conscious 
and knowing that maybe some of the thoughts you're thinking, maybe you shouldn't say. And maybe the more responsible, more compassionate ways of communication is is something that that's where to come from. And yeah. that's not necessarily easy. No. Not, how do you start? Right. We're not, we're not. There's like we don't go through any communication classes in high school communications one-on-one like we don't right you know not necessarily we don't get like talk about or are taught how to communicate right. on that level mm-hmm. right yeah it should be an interesting class to take i think also college. being okay to ask if you don't yeah. know ask if my as my father would say when you don't know you don't grow <laughs> um so i, I think that. really like leaning into that perceived discomfort because i yeah. think that there are just people out there that Speaking of race, it is completely uncomfortable. It is. If I ask a question about race, I will then be seen as a racist. Right. So better to mind my P's and Q's, right. put my head down and speak right. very generally. Yes. That doesn't help anybody. No, you're not. And then through that, you're not, you're not getting woke. No. You're just perpetuating the cycle of You're ignorance. staying asleep. Right. <laughs> Slope. <laughs> Oh gosh, that, that was a. I hope you guys like that one. That was Jack is a budding comedian over yes, here. Sorry. Um, so yeah, thinking consciously, asking questions, and also just jumping into maybe a racial a racial art or places yeah, that definitely. you feel like you would never go. Try different things. Go see this movie mm-hmm. that you've never wanted to see before. Go this read kind this of, book or play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Try this. Try Ethiopian food. I tried it last week. It was it was great. It was really interesting. You just if you live in Los Angeles, Little right, Ethiopia okay. is it's true. Really delicious mm-hmm. meals by Gannett. It's yeah. one of my favorite places. So good. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to round this out. Thank you so much for listening to yeah, us. It's our absolutely. first podcast. Jackie, we made it. We did. Girl, we, we did it. it through. Woo. We, were, we were a little nervous, guys, to be honest. Just going to put it out there. She's so <laughs> humble and modest. We were a lot nervous. Um, if you want to stay connected with us, you can find us on the gram. I'm Alana, but my Instagram handle is Renegade of Fun. And mine is Jacqueline Chung Young. I have a really long last name, but (laughs) you'll find it. And we want to give a special shout out and thanks to Ivan Ishkov, who Mm -hmm. is here sitting next to us. He gave us so much tutelage through this first podcast experience. If you are looking for a new comedy podcast to add to your roster, check out Being Frank with Ivan. You can find it on Apple. Uh, You can find it on Apple. I think you can also find it on Spotify, perhaps. But uh, (laughs) check it out. Being Frank with Ivan. He's hilarious. He's a hilarious Russian guy. So you can still get that. that (laughs) Your minority fill. There you go. You're looking for. You can email us at podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. We want to hear your thoughts on this, or you can hit us up on our Instagram, which is Black and Yellow Podcast. Yep. We want to hear from you. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Let this sink in, y'all, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.